This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. I'm Diana, and I'm really excited about chatting with our guest today, Sammy Yen. Sammy is a designer and self-defense instructor. We met at Meals for Unity's AAPI Community Fair back in April, uh, where he and his partner were teaching a class on self-defense. He is also an artist, illustrator, designer, who has recently merged his personal and professional life to help fight anti-Asian hate. Welcome, Sammy. It's really great to have you here today. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you tell us more about yourself, your ethnic background, and what inspired you to teach self-defense? Yes, of course. Um, My name is Sammy, and I am Chinese-American. I grew up in Boston, and I moved to New York in, you know, early 2000s. Um, When I was younger, my father actually taught me Tai Chi. And um, so martial arts has always been, you know, a big part of my life. And, um, you know, I wrestled in high school and college, and I, you know, went on to compete in Taekwondo and a bunch of other martial arts. But, um, you know, martial arts has been really a big part of my life. And then when all this uh, anti-Asian violence uh, started happening, um, I felt like I had to do something. But I wasn't really sure what I should do. And like the catalyst was really like April of 2021, um, mm-hmm. you know, before all the vaccines were available. Um, you know, I was honestly more afraid to ride the subway and get into a fight than, you know, get COVID. And then, you know, my kids uh, used to take a bus to school, like a yellow bus to school, but they have a special program where it started earlier than the school bus would arrive. So we'd have to take the subway. And then, you know, we had to come up with like a plan, an emergency plan if something bad would happen. And my kids are kind of young. Um, at the time, they were six and eight. And, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't really understand, you know, they were like, Daddy, like, why would something like this happen? And like, well, you know, we can help you. And I had been teaching them martial arts. I've been teaching them Taekwondo since they were small. And, you know, and they thought like they could like honestly help me like, like defend them like in a fight or something. And I just was like, this is, you know, oh. you just got to run. Yeah. You know, and I'll buy you time. And then so I think it was like those those events really like made me angry and I didn't know how to feel about it. And then, you know. Um, my father uh, in Boston, you know, who is now like an octogenarian, was uh, verbally assaulted on the subway as well. And um, I just felt like, you know, there had to be something done. I didn't know what to do, you know. And yeah. I, I, like I said, I had like really mixed emotions, like really angry and like sad at the same time. And so the first thing um, I thought about doing was um, helping out like other AAPI groups, like other charities. And I was going to teach a Taekwondo class to the kids at um, my kids' school. And I just asked them to, the parents to donate money to um, what, what any charity, like any API charity. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of my first step into this world. Um, and while I was, you know, researching like what groups people could donate to, I wanted to vet the groups just to make sure that, you know, these were legitimate charities. So I asked a good friend of mine if she had any information and she referred me to their DEI coordinator who gave me a bunch of, you know, good tips on looking up charities, you know, make sure mm-hmm. they're legitimate. So um, as I was doing that, I came across another um, 
organization called One Book, One World, and they were um, buying books created by uh, AAPI authors and donating them to like schools and libraries. And, and they were really like just a small organization and just buy them on Amazon and then just like send it to the school. Uh, and so at first I wanted to help them out. And I thought like as a designer, I thought I could help them out by, um, you know, designing their social media and, um, you know, helping them with, you know, Instagram and, you know, YouTube and whatever. And, um, you know, uh, like you mentioned, um, my professional life, I'm actually uh, working in publishing. I'm an artist, a graphic designer, you know, I mostly do like book cover design and illustration. So um, I had a lot of contacts with the publishing industry. And so I ended up being their one book, one world liaison to the publishing industry. And we just were able to get my clients to donate around like 1200 books to them. And recently, um, you know, this year, another year passed by, Kelly Yang's book, Yes, We Can, was donated to one book, one world as well, like over 240 copies. So that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to um, the one book, one world, the reason why they were, they had to donate these books is because um, Asian American history is not taught in schools and, or not mandated in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes schools and libraries don't have the budgets to pay for books that are not part of the curriculum. And, uh, you know, when we first started, there was only like one state um, in the country that Asian American history is part of the curriculum. Now there's three. And then uh, Mayor Adams in New York City just announced that there's going to be a pilot program in September. So, you know, I'm really excited to see, you know, where this goes. And I think that eventually self-defense and I think we need education to really mm-hmm. stop, you know, uh, anti-Asian American hate. And, you know, I, this is going back to my kids as well. Like, I mean, one of the big motivations is I didn't want like 30 years from now, my kids, when they're grown up to, you know, still be facing the same things we're facing today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As you were just talking about this, I was thinking about how much you have done for the AAPI community in such a short amount of time and how one thing led to something else, which led to something else. And it seems like this has become a real passion of yours, like this, um, you know, this area. And so I'm just wondering, um, yeah, how has your journey been with your identity? Because it does seem, just in you telling me this right now, that it just happened over the past couple of years, but has that been s- sort of happening for you over over time, like your connection to your roots and being involved in the community? Or, you know, has it always been there for you in different ways? Uh, that's a great question. Thanks for asking me that. Um, honestly, like, there's so many things I didn't know, you know, before mm-hmm. I started um, getting involved. Um, with Asian American history. And, you know, going back to the whole uh, Asian American history not being taught in schools, there's so many like immigration stories I didn't know, I didn't understand. And one of the things I ended up doing was just like researching so much about Asian American history and, you know, how different groups of Asian Americans immigrated to America, like from the Chinese and Koreans and the Filipinos. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like it's been an amazing journey for me and, you know, personal like self-discovery and um, pride. And I think that another thing that's really been kind of amazing is all the people that bonded to this, you know, and mm-hmm. we've become a really strong community. Like I met you at Neos for Unity. And I guess ironically, Neos for Unity is one of the first groups that um, I tried to raise money for way back like last year. And they were just really small organization, right? And then we met at the one year anniversary, which was a great event, you know? Yeah, so. yeah it's amazing how much you can do in one year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And as you continue on this path of involvement and activism, um, what issues are most calling to you? What are you most passionate about right now? Um, well, thank you for asking. There's two issues. One, the more kind of practical issue of 
self-defense right now? Like, how do people get home safely and how do they navigate their environment? And, you know, when we first started teaching in September, it was me and my uh, co-teacher, co-instructor, Kit, and we were teaching seniors. And uh, we were funded by the Jason and Alicia Lee Foundation, um, one of my friends from college. He works at uh, Daily Pay, and uh, his boss or the owner, Jason Lee, has a foundation. They wanted to start a self-defense program, so they asked me, if I would lead it. And, um, you know, knowing we've known each other for a long time, he knew I wrestled at Syracuse and I was in martial arts now. And um, so, so it was him and I we were teaching seniors. And um, I think that after talking to a lot of them, they were just so afraid of like leaving their house. And I didn't understand like, um, you know, the, the gravity of the situation, you know, and so mm-hmm. we were able to give them, you know, a little more confidence, a little more awareness or a little more um, tools they can use to just navigate safely. And I think that like kind of free them or give them a little independence. And like, for me personally, doing the research, you know, you see how much our like people before us like sacrifice for us. So we have our opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really, um, I was grateful to be able to help and give back to people that, you know, paved the way for us. So yeah. And yeah. then now everything has kind of really expanded. And we are working with a lot of different organizations and we're teaching like five to six classes a week, all the way from Flushing to East Harlem, you know, and then we recently were at Elmhurst Hospital, you know, Elmhurst Hospital, we taught three classes there and they were the hardest hit, you know, and they were probably the epicenter of COVID, you know, and so many people made so many sacrifices there. So again, it's just been amazing to be able to help like other people that helped us along the way. And as you talk about that, I have a couple of questions. One is, you know, what has been the response? Um, you mentioned that, you know, some of the older folks have just been expressing how um, scared they are, but generally what's been the response in your in your self-defense courses? Are people um, feeling mixed about the whole thing? Like happy that they have this opportunity, but also angry that they have to even enroll in something like this? Like what has your experience been? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. First of all, I think self-defense, a lot of people have a misunderstanding to what self-defense is. And I think that that's one of our jobs to explain it. Like people Mm -hmm. think that I'm going to teach them how to fight like five people at the same time and grab one of the subway bars and swing around and kick like everyone. But it's really just more about like being aware of your surrounding and understanding your situation. You know, um, so the first idea is just to avoid any kind of confrontation, no matter how trained you think you are, you know, things quickly go south if it gets physical. Yeah. So, um, so I think that once people realize that they really see like, you know, oh, you know, I can do this. This is something I can do. And this is like, you know, very helpful, you know, and it's also just like, there's so many things like, you know, because technology, like so many people are walking around, like we're head pod, like earphones on and head pods, and they just don't pay attention to what they're doing. And so I think in general, it's just been really good for people to connect more with their environment. Yeah, just kind of reset and realize like most of our days we're, we're, we're spending not in the moment, right? Not aware of what's happening in any moment. And that can also be a safety issue sometimes, right? Yes, exactly. You know, like, like, I mean, I ride my, since the pandemic started, I bought a bike and I've been riding everywhere and so many people go into the bike lane and they don't even walk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I also did the same thing. I started city biking during the pandemic. Oh, nice. Excellent. It felt like the safe time to do that because yeah, yeah, I would have been too scared to drive before, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I guess the other question I have for you is, you mentioned you're doing up to six classes a week, and also you have, you know, a day job. 
um, what have you been doing for your own self-care? <laughs> because you went from having no involvement to suddenly being so involved, right? And and while it's really energizing and fulfilling, I'm guessing, it's also got to take a toll on you. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think that for my self-care, like when I first got involved, uh, it was took up a lot of energy and I was like more like just angry. And then I just didn't want to be like so serious all the time because I'm kind of, you know, I like to joke a lot and kind of a fun loving person, but I just found myself always being like upset. And then I think that, you know, I learned that um, it's important to just take some time for yourself and take care of yourself and like things I like to do. Uh, sorry, I'm just <laughs> Yeah. Things I really enjoy are, are exercise. You know, I like riding my bike. Like I yeah. said, I like swimming and running. And then I just like, you know, binging like Netflix and TV shows just some time for myself. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so, so physical activity is good for channeling your anger. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think that has been a dominant emotion for a lot of Asian um, AAPI and anyone who's been feeling um fearful and angry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say to those people right now who are listening and might be feeling hopeless or helpless? Well, I think I would say, you know, there's definitely a lot of help out there. There's a lot of people, a lot of organizations, a lot of way um, to get involved. There's a lot of people to reach out to. And, you know, even just self-defense, there's a lot of self-defense classes every week. And then there's a lot of community groups that you can join. And I think that, like I said earlier, like one of the silver linings is I think that a lot of people come together and I think you just reach out to someone you trust and, you know, talk to them and, you know, maybe they can lead you to a, an organization or a group, you know, and then just have like a bond experience and, you know, can all uplift each other. And I think that's the way we get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some organizations that you're working with right now? Anyone that you want to spotlight? Going to my my art career, I'm working with Motsky Girls and we're putting together a gallery show with at Pearl River Mart to benefit some of the businesses hurt by um, the pandemic in Chinatown. You know, they're a great group. The Motsky Girls um, are great. And they highlight a lot of different events in, you know, going around on in Chinatown. So, you know, if you go on their Instagram, you can see any like different events from like tours or cooking or, um, you know, self-care events. So they have a lot of great resources. And, you know, if you want to learn more about like Chinatown history and you can pick one of the tours. Can you tell us more about this show? When is it happening? It's in, it's upcoming or is it online? Oh, actually great. Thanks for asking. The show is going to be in um, early September, September 8th, and um, it's going to run three months from September 8th, I think, December like 28th or something like that. And um, the show is going to be based on my artwork, my line drawings. And this is, I guess, another kind of like, like you said, one thing led to another. Um, early in December, um, I saw that uh, you and me bookstore, the first Asian American woman owned bookstore in New York mm-hmm. City was opening. And um, I thought, you know, that like people might think she's crazy for opening a bookstore in the middle of a pandemic, you know, like who's going to go to the oh, you know, brick and mortar bookstore. So I just uh, donated one of my drawings to her um, to help promote her business. And, um, you know, it was really well received the drawing. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe I can make a show out of this and like, you know, benefit like other businesses in Chinatown and raise more awareness. And so I just reached out to the Mosby girls and asked them if they would like to be part of this with me because um, they knew a lot about Chinatown history and they said yes. And so um, it's going to be like about 20 pieces and we're going to sell prints and auction off some of the artwork to raise money for um, different groups in Chinatown. Can you tell us more about any other projects that you're working on? 
Yes, um, I recently did a project for a group called You Are Not Alone, and it's a, a mental health um, advocacy. And they have a mural program, which, you know, they paint these murals that say you're not alone to help raise awareness for mental health. And um, recently they started to include digital art. So uh, I'm a digital artist and I did a piece for them in Cinema 4D with a dragon wrapped around the words, you are not alone, um, to kind of help raise awareness for Asian Americans um, so they can reach out for help. I know oftentimes it's a stigma for, you know, our community to do that. And then, you know, again, like when I was researching like all these different Asian American history ideas, I mean, I found that Asian American teens right now are like among the highest in, in the suicide, committing suicide. So I just wanted to reach out to anyone who might be seeing this to see if they could get help. You know, there's help out there and there's someone they can talk to. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely much more awareness since the pandemic, I think, Great. right? With people coming forward um, to seek out therapy and, and things like that. But even just um, reconnecting with community can be so healing for mental health. That's wonderful. Yeah. Another example of you just <laughs> taking <laughs> taking things where they go, right? Um, yeah, just see how it works out, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, a nice mix of um, you're doing some self-defense work, but also incorporating your art into all of this. Yeah, I think so. Even like the logo we did for um, the self-defense, uh, our, our team self-defense in New York City, I wanted to make it inviting. Mm -hmm. And so people wouldn't be intimidated to take the class. So, I mean, it's nice to, again, like you said, merge my, you know, both aspects of myself, my professional and my, my personal life. I know you talked a little bit about this, but, you know, we can't let you go without asking for some actual um, self-defense tips. Are there any tips that you can share today that we can all implement to keep ourselves a little safer? Yes, of course. I think there are, um, I can kind of start with what I like to do with my kids um, mm -hmm. when we ride the subway. I mean, a lot of it's just about commuting. And um, first, when you get like onto the platform, like there's a couple of things you should do. Um, you shouldn't, of course, stand too close to the yellow line and just put something in front of you and the tracks, you know, whether it's a pillar or something. And then try to have your stance a little bit staggered. So like, it's not like your feet are like flat. And then just in case, you know, because the worst thing you want to do is like fall on the ground. Yeah. Um, it just becomes a whole different, you know, kind of battle. And then again, you know, use technology because, you know, you don't have to look on the tracks to see when the train's coming. Oftentimes now they have... Um, the monitors will tell you like, and they're pretty accurate. Like you see trains coming in three minutes or whatever. Um, and as well, if you have going to wear your headphones, then make sure you do like noise canceling. Don't turn, turn off the noise canceling. So yeah. you, you want to be able to hear things. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you get on the subway, you know, just kind of take an inventory of where you are on the subway and like where the exits are around you, you know? So if you're in the middle of the car, there's probably four and left, four on the right, you know, and how far you are from those exits. And then just start taking an inventory of the people, like look at um, like their shoes. I think that's a good exercise is just look at the shoes and see what color they are. So most people have black or white shoes, right? But if you start seeing different color shoes, then you kind of get um, anchored in your, your environment and you say, oh, you know, um, that person stands out. So not, it's not necessarily a threat, but just things that are standing out are different. Yeah. And most people, um, what do they like to do when they ride the subway? listen to a podcast <laughs> yes listen to podcast <laughs> listen to on music. their phone yeah yes exactly so those people are just like me and you they just want to go home right and they don't i want to block be out the world anyone. yes exactly exactly <laughs> so those people are not like like threats right so you just look at for people that 
are acting differently. And, you know, uh. and if you feel like, you know, uncomfortable, then you just get off the car and wait for another car, you yeah. know, and it's like, of course, always better to avoid the situation. So yeah. those are like my general, I guess, like tips, like just on being more of your environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely feel guilty of doing the same thing where I'm not paying attention and, you know, I, I, also, I also like have to remind myself to turn off the sound canceling because yeah. like, I don't really want to hear any of these noises right now, but yeah, yeah, exactly. You just want to go home. Right. And then, I mean, it's like, it's not, I'm not saying like you have to look at everyone all the time, but yeah. you know, when the doors open and close, you just like, look, see who gets on, who gets yeah. off and then you can go back to your thing. So. Yeah. No, but that is an interesting exercise just to like, be more in the moment, right? To, to be on the subway and to look around and just see what's going on, because you're right. Maybe a lot of times, many, most people are not paying attention, right? Right, 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 right. So yeah, yeah that, that's definitely, I think, helpful. Yeah. And how have your um, kids reacted to this sort of instruction? Do they think it's fun to do, or do they get a sense that there's something that they should be concerned or worried about? Um, that's a great question. I think my kids, uh, they often sometimes come to my class and, mm-hmm. you know, they help sign people in and my uh, daughter, like, like people are like, she, she's really, she's nine. She just turned nine yeah. and she likes to help sign people in. And she writes like little cute, like notes next to people's <laughs> names and like, like hearts and flowers and stuff. And like, just these, and so I think it puts people at ease and she likes to be involved. And yeah. like my son was at one of my classes too. And I looked at, you know, Adam corner of my eye and I see him with some random kids doing the exercises <laughs> and so it's really like they're kind of absorbing it and I'm not like directly telling them yeah. but they're really absorbing it and I think that um you know when we, we play a game on the subway like a clock game where you know I'll say at three o'clock you know what do you see and they'll see like a balloon or a dog or whatever and so they kind of look around and they kind of like are definitely more aware of what's going around so I mean I think they think it's fun I'm not sure yeah <laughs> no <laughs> no it seems like you know the whole experience has been really positive for them right to yeah to, they really understand what you do and they're learning a lot and they also feel part of it so I think that's great yeah yeah I mean they really like um you know working on like they like seeing my art projects they like seeing my books I'm working on yeah. and my son the other day art directed me I'm working on this bilingual book like Chinese um and English bilingual <laughs> book and then it's kind of like about a baby, like learning, like finding something. And he's like, dad, that baby's huge. I was never that big. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm like, going to make them smaller. Yes. Thanks <laughs> for your perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been really great to have you here today. Um, any final announcements? And, you know, actually first tell us how we can find you because I'm sure people want to see your art and learn more about these classes. Where can, where's the best place for people to find you or connect with you? My website is uh, Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y-Y-U-E-N.com. And I have my artwork there. And then my Instagram is at Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y-N-Y-C-A-R-T. Great. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me and then for this opportunity. And I hope that we can all work together and like try to make yeah. things better. Yeah, definitely. I think there's just so much opportunity now. And like you said, one thing leads to another and you don't even know where it's going to go, but um, here we are on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, thank you again for making time and we will speak soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. 